faithwire.com. Well, they're calling it the slap heard round the world. A lot of discussion happening about Will Smith's altercation with Chris Rock at the Oscars last night. Today's Monday, March 28th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. Love that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. And we'd love to have you with us as we journey through the news of the day from a Christian perspective. And joining me, as always, Trey Gones Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire with a quick look at what is coming up on the podcast today. What's going on, guys? Happy Monday to you. Yeah, yeah. Happy Monday to you. You know what's coming up the weekend. I know. It's coming up. (laughs) Right around the corner. Man, I'll tell you what. I mean, Chris Rock's got to be glad he's done with that event. I mean, what a debacle that was last night. My goodness. Well, the worst part is having to, you know, getting slapped or punched or hit is one thing. There's like that pain doing it in front of millions of oh. people or, or, you know, 12 people. I don't know how many people were yeah, actually 20, watching. Yeah. But, <laughs> I didn't um, even know the Oscars were. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know they were on. I had no idea. Well, no one did until the slap. <laughs> until the slap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, just, I think being in the Oscars, is, I mean, hosting the Oscars, I should say, is just a completely thankless job yeah. no matter who you are. Yep. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm also going to be talking about, uh, we had an interview with Mandisa, and she talked about her depression and anxiety that she's dealt with uh, and how she has, uh, how God has guided her through that and brought her to the other side. Hmm. We're also going to be talking about the border in Ukraine. We, we spoke with a number of people during a special prayer event on Friday, and one of those individuals told us about reports of human traffickers on the border um, and traffickers who pose as pastors. So we're going to talk about that story. Yeah, really, really sad stuff and uh, important stuff to know. So we can be praying about that. So we are going to start here, though, guys. On the, I didn't think we were, honestly, I didn't think that we were going to be, like I said, I didn't even know it was on. I didn't think we were going to be talking Oscars today. But um, it's interesting because everyone knows what happened now. Everyone has probably watched it or seen the clip uh, to some extent. So they know what happened. But what I'm interested in here today, guys, is sort of the fallout from it and the reaction because there was a surprising amount of people defending what Will Smith did uh, last night. And uh, here, I have a clip of it. We I stopped it before all the uh, swearing started. But here is what led up to this. Chris Rock is making a joke about, you know, because Will Smith was nominated for uh, his, and he actually won, but he was nominated for his role in the story about the Williams sisters, King Richard, so, you know, their father. So uh, he's setting up this category, and he's talking about this other couple that are nominated. And um, here, here's the exchange, and then right up until Will Smith gets up on stage and actually slaps Chris Rock. You know who's got the hardest job tonight? Javier Bardem and his wife are both nominated. Now, if she loses, he can't win! <laughs> He is praying that Will Smith wins. Like, please, Lord. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh-oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So you could hear it there. Uh, he hit him. And um, people were stunned. They didn't know if it was a bit. 
And suddenly the Oscars, which who knows how many people were watching it before that, suddenly everyone was talking about it online and it just went absolutely crazy. But And then, ironically, Will Smith then wins later on for that award that he's mentioning and he actually gets an Oscar. And so his, his moment's kind of tarred by this and marred by this uh, altercation that he has. Where, and, um, you know, it just really was just a bizarre circumstance here that he actually did that. And um, but you had some people defending him, guys. And I saw some some saying, hey, you got to stand up for your wife. And other, and there's just some lines you don't cross. Others were pointing out that they've indicated that they may have an open relationship of some sort. So how is that standing up for your wife? And um, all kinds of uh, different angles after this, when really you would think this would be universally kind of condemned, that you don't go up on a joke. And now, of course, the other part of it is, uh, and guys, you got to help me with this. I, I don't even know how to say this thing, but but uh, Jada apparently has that uh, sort of disease, that condition that that. Uh, makes her hair, it makes your hair kind of spotty and like doesn't grow in some spots. Alopecia. Alopecia. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I I knew I was going to butcher that name, but so the joke, GI Jane, like because um, it was kind of referring Demi Moore did that. I think it was Demi Moore did that role, and she had to shave her head for it. And so Jada's always got her head shaved. So um, it to me, I mean, who knows? To me, it seemed. I mean, he said he even said in that clip, you heard that it was a nice one. So Chris Rock seems to be saying he, he thought that was just a joke about you know a bad movie that she'd be starring in right like so it seemed like that was what he was going for and he's completely surprised that that he'd be that offended by it and after the slap and he sits down chris rock says you know hey it was just a joke gi jane joke dude and um and will smith starts swearing and dropping some f-bombs and and other things and saying you know don't you talk about my wife etc so I'll just open up to you guys. I mean, t to me, the interesting thing is was people defending this and some even trying to bring in a biblical perspective. I saw um, some debating that that this sort of action is um, warranted because it's represented in the Bible. They quoted Nehemiah 13, which I, I'm not seeing the comparison there because that's Nehemiah talking to the people there about disobeying the Sabbath. And he was fearful at all these other uh, laws that they were disobeying. And he was fearful that God's judgment was going to come down on them. And there was a couple lines where he said, I pulled them by the hair and and grabbed them, etc. So that he was getting physical with them. But it would seem that worrying about all the sins that a group of people are committing because you're worried about incurring judge, God's judgment on you, it doesn't really compare to a comedian making a joke. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm not sure I buy that angle. But people are making this case, and so it's quite the topic out there today, guys. Yeah, people seem confused about a whole lot of things um, these days. So to me, <laughs> the idea that while a show is going on, one of yeah. the biggest, whether we like it or not, biggest award shows in the history of the world is going on, that a person is you know, speaking on a stage that the subject of their joke would get up, walk up, yeah. and either punch or slap them really is indicative of something very wrong going yeah. on in that moment. And I think the fact that anybody would try to dismiss that and then use, you know, it's always troubling when you have to use the old Testament to justify <laughs> some sort of violent right. act. Right. Um, because you, it requires a lot of context to understand the old Testament and what was going on there. Um, but why don't we talk about the new Testament and what Jesus says about loving and feeding and clothing your enemies and 
turning the other cheek. I mean, it seems it seems Christ would have a lot to say. And of course, you know, Jesus was Jesus. There were moments where he, um, you know, had righteous anger at things that were going on, like in you know the in the temple. But but there's nothing to justify anything like this. I think it's just the definition of insanity, essentially, defi- you know, defending it. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not going to pretend to know the faith backgrounds or the, whether either of the two men's men are, are truly professing Christians. But if we're going to put one in a box of being more Christ-like than the other, after the joke was said, I would say that Chris Rock yeah. probably fell more into the turn-the-other-cheek-literally behavior of just kind of partially he was probably kind of stunned by by what yeah. happened so he just he didn't react uh, at all but so i have to say this and it it pains me to say this because i have agreed with uh, sunny hostin at the view before today a a total of zero times um but she did say today she had a lot to say and she kind of made it a little bit more political than than i would like uh, but she said you don't act out in violence that is not a show of love uh, and i think it's important because several years ago billy you and i were talking about this before uh, but you know just in teens before we started taping 10 years ago no one would have accepted this kind of behavior but now there are just, it seems like just a few people who are willing to call out the truth. And it's like, this is not love. I don't, I don't care if that was your intention, uh, it, you know, to, to, to defend your wife or whatever. It ends up just being a distraction and it does more harm than good. Mm. Um, so, but it's a, it's a good conversation point, uh, I, I guess, uh, to talk about how as believers, we should contrast ourselves from the secular world yeah. and should live differently and should model our, our behavior after Christ. Yeah. And well, and Billy, you have a story up on uh, CBN and Faithwire today um, talking about the interesting thing that Denzel had told him. Uh, mm. And I guess Will had mentioned this just kind of when yeah. he got his acceptance speech. But it's interesting that Denzel, who let's just pray for Denzel that he stays sane. He seems to be one of the only sane ones left in Hollywood. Uh, but what he told him just before this all went down. Well, it was right after. So like right after the slap happened when they were trying to comfort him uh, there, you know, a, a number of people came around Will Smith to try to comfort him. And that has sparked some controversy as well. I, I think the word comfort, it probably needs to be explained more. Okay. Somebody just got out of their seat, went on the stage with live cameras running and punched somebody in the face. Yeah. Let's make sure he's okay. Right. Calm um, him down. Calm him down. Right. Um, so Denzel went up to him and apparently because Will Smith during his acceptance speech, because 15 minutes later, he wins best actor. Yeah. You know, the biggest night of his career he ruined. Um, but as he's up there, he said, Denzel Washington said to me a few minutes ago, quote, at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the double devil comes for you. Uh, and it was a really interesting quote. You know, Denzel's clearly saying to him, this is not just some flippant remark. Denzel believes in spiritual mm-hmm. warfare. He believes in heaven and hell. We know he's a, he's a believer. He's telling him, like, here you are. This is a big moment, and the devil's coming for you. Don't let him overtake you. That, to me, not only was that interesting that Denzel said it, but I found it fascinating, regardless of whatever we think, and this is not a defense of Will Smith, it clearly resonated enough for him to bring it up in that moment. Yeah, indeed. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we, we will, uh, you know, hopefully there is not much more to report on this. Hopefully some resanit- some sanity returns. I mean, I guess that's kind of You're a, asking too much. I'm asking too much. Let's <laughs> just head on to story number two. 
Well, only 11.5 million households watched the Oscars last night, <laughs> which according is actually, to wow. Screen Rant. It used to bring in about 40, 40 million yeah. on average, I mean, uh, and now 11 million. But that's an increase from last year, by the way. Well, um, so, you know, good for them. I don't know. I don't know how much the slap played into the the. Increase, well, they're seeing the clip, that. but they probably didn't watch the, the actual, actual show. show. I mean, I didn't even know it was on. I mean, usually I at least see the promos for it and stuff. I, I had no idea the Not thing was even year. on. No. <laughs> All right, story number two. So I want to talk about uh, Mandisa. Uh, she opened up in a recent interview with us about actually a near suicide attempt several years ago uh, and the heartbreaking story behind her hit song, Overcomer. She's talked a little bit about it before, but she has authored a new book, Out of the Dark, where she talks in great detail um, about her faith journey, about her her battle with depression and anxiety, uh, and also, like I said, the inspiration behind the song, Overcomer, which was actually about her friend Keisha, uh, whose fight with breast cancer inspired the song. Uh, she, Keisha, unfortunately, ended up passing away uh, from breast cancer, uh, which was was not in uh, Mandisa's plan. She didn't anticipate that happening. She thought, oh, we caught it early. She's going to be okay. Uh, and obviously, that that's not how the story unfolded. She said the album released before she passed away, talking about Keisha. And I was really looking forward to being able to go back out on the road and bring her out and talk about how she overcame this battle with cancer. So when she passed away, it shook the foundation underneath me and I was angry. I was numb and I started to question God. Uh, She even said that she ended up isolating herself, Mandisa, for a couple of years. Uh, She, you know, comforted herself with food uh, and obviously was dealing with depression and anxiety. She said, I kept it all inside, talking about the grief she endured and the doubt uh, that even resulted from it. She said, before I knew it, I was miserable and hopeless. I didn't want to be around anybody. I stayed in my house for two years, essentially just eating and getting worse and worse. It was a slow fade until the point where I really wanted to end it all. Uh, She went on to say that she in a particularly dark moment, uh, grabbed a handful of pills and, quote, really considered just taking my life in that moment. God, though, has ended up uh, through several friends intervening. Uh, The Holy Spirit prompted several friends to intervene uh, in her life and help her walk through the trauma she endured, help her walk through that depression and that really dark season in her life. And she says, now, I'm thankful I didn't take my life because I'm able to see now how God has redeemed it. I still wish my friend were here, but I've learned how important it is to grieve and to walk with God through things like that. Uh, So we have an extended conversation where you can listen to all of it. It'll actually be on this podcast channel, on this feed later today, I I believe. That'll be the whole um, conversation. But we talked about all kinds of things, including where in Scripture she found hope. And she said the book of Psalms was a big, uh, a big place for her to lean on. She said, you see David one minute talking about how good God is and the next minute saying, I want you to slaughter my enemies. And how could you allow this? She said, I've learned how important it is to say these things because I think we miss the comfort that we get from God when we choose to just stuff it down and not say anything at all. Uh, so she said, among uh, other things, she learned about the importance of being open and honest with God because God already knows what we're feeling, whether it's anger or sadness or anxiety or loneliness. We might as well just take it to him uh, and begin the process of 
of dealing with it uh, with God by our side. She said, I just let it all out, uh, talking actually about another song she wrote called Prove Me Wrong, where she asked those big questions of God. Why would you allow my friend Keisha to die? She said, I finally let God have it after shoving it down for so long. And in that moment when I did, that's when it opened up the door uh, for him to address those things with me. Uh, so it was just a, a great conversation talking about mental wellness and 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 depression and anxiety and how as believers uh, we should lean on scripture and turn to God. Certainly seek help if you need it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with counseling and there's nothing wrong with being on medication if that's necessary. Um, but she said it's so important to be open and transparent with the Lord when you're dealing with these kinds of things. Uh, and I think that's that's why it matters is that's always a good reminder for us as believers is when we're feeling something, we have the benefit of never being alone. We've always got Jesus. We've always got the Holy Spirit. We always have God who is eager to be involved intimately in our day-to-day lives. We just have to invite him in. Yeah. And there's this, I mean, it's a great story. Um, and there's this balance that I think she kind of points to there when she's talking about the Psalms and and David's requests. You know, it's like trusting in God's plan, trusting in God's sovereignty, but still requesting things, right? Like we, yes, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to pretend to understand how that all works together, right? Like God's got a plan. He's in control, but he says, Hey, ask, you know, ask. And if it's the will of your father, it'll be done. Right. So we're supposed to ask for things and then just pray for peace for however it comes out. Right. We don't right. know what the result is going to be, but there's no circumstance for, not pray. There's no reason to say, you know, we see the evidence in the Bible of people requesting things of God, you know? And so, uh, I mean, there's even times, and again, this is one that boggles my mind when you see, well, God changed his mind. You know, you're like, well, how mm-hmm. does that happen? You know? Um, but uh, clearly, you know, people petition God. I mean, just reading through, uh, again, numbers right now is what I'm one of the ones that I'm in right now. And you look at, you know, Moses and Aaron, like multiple times when the people which you you want to smack them when you see that they keep forgetting and they keep complaining and grumbling against god you know they they moses and aaron intervene on their behalf and if they didn't you know it sounds like they stopped like the entire plague from wiping and wiping them all out or most of them out anyway so anyway uh balancing out those two things are is something that's important even if we can't understand it yeah. Now, and before you jump in, Billy, I just want to read one more comment from her uh, because she was to that point, Dan, she was talking about if you read the Psalms, you see that every single emotion is expressed by David. He praises God mm-hmm. in the good times. He talks about the bad stuff, and then he tries to balance trust in God, even in the unknown. She said, that's why I think David was a man after God's own heart, because he went to him with every feeling that he had. And that's how they grew a relationship, a close relationship with one another. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the big takeaway for me, too, is the fact that she kind of locked herself away. And I think making sure that we know when we have, you know, friends and loved ones who are going through that sort of thing, those are those are big warning signs. And so a lot of what she talks about, um, you know, in her interview is is those warning signs, what she was going Mm -hmm. through. And we understand why she was going through. But I think for me, it's just having, you know, even lost some friends to suicide, being able to kind of look for those warning signs and doing our best mm-hmm. to try to reach people when they're in those dark moments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. check on your people for sure. Indeed. All right, that brings us to our last story. And this one's a really 
difficult story. Uh, this is from a prayer event that we had that CBN News held last Friday about Ukraine. And we spoke with a number of individuals working on the ground. One is Natasha Boom. She is the regional manager for Europe for Orphans Promise, which is an incredible nonprofit that helps orphans around the world. And, you know, they're on the ground. And, and one of the people who was on the call, um, she actually is in Ukraine still. She's from Ukraine. And so they were talking about what they're observing. Now, Natasha recently was at the, the Polish border. And what she told us was just so mind boggling. She said she saw a mother on the border who had a rope tied around her waist. And there were four little girls tied around those ropes to her. And of course, the first question is, well, why? Why is this mother wrapping these small children under the age of five in rope around her? And according to Natasha, the reason for that is that there is a risk of traffickers and trafficking that a lot of these refugees who are fleeing Ukraine, going into other countries, they're petrified because they know that there are traffickers. And so this one mother was literally taking rope to keep her kids close to her so that she was afraid of falling asleep, that if she fell asleep, these children will be taken from her. Um, Natasha also said that the border guards were some of the most incredible people she had met, um, that some of these guards had not slept at all because they were so afraid. They didn't want these children to be taken. They wanted to protect them. Um, and so one of the things that really stuck out to me is you know, the big prayer request that everybody on the call had for Natasha. She said, quote, the biggest prayer request at the moment are these children. Um, and one of the most horrific parts, it's not just that there are traffickers, which is absolutely horrific on its own, is that some of these traffickers, according to reports, are actually posing as pastors. They're showing up with these giant minibuses, these giant coach buses, pretending to be Christian pastors. And that is just one of the most maniacal and evil things that you could imagine and to sort of get in the mind of these border guards who are trying to protect everybody coming in. I mean, you're talking about millions of people at this point. The guards said, quote, there are traffickers here, but how do we know? How do we know who's good and bad? There are thousands of people. And so it's a really complicated situation, but it's something for us to be praying for, right? Why does it matter? It matters because not only are people fleeing war and chaos, they're entering into a situation where their very lives could be at stake. They could be trafficked. They could lose their children. You know, it's just like you leave one whore and you enter into another. And so this idea of Natasha saying, look, you know, again, biggest prayer request, that's what, this is what that is right now. And that this evil can be exposed for what it is and that these children can be spared. We have a lot more on that prayer call, and we're going to be actually doing some other stories this week on the discussion that unfolded during it. But that's what we wanted to highlight here. There's a lot clearly to consider and pray for, for the people fleeing the violence in Ukraine. Mm, yeah. I mean, it was just gut-wrenching to listen to that news mm -hmm. from Natasha that they are getting on the ground there. And um, you could just see how impacted she just her recounting this and recounting the the thousands of kids on the border just screaming and many of them had walked clear almost clear across the country in some cases just to get to the border and to get over to safety and the impact that that's having on kids and then of course the vulnerable ones and the chaos and the confusion where you have just wickedness taking place of people that would take advantage of a situation like that in that way it's incomprehensible but we know that we're in a fallen world and there is evil out there and so 
um, continue praying for those teams like Natasha that are out there because they're the front lines of of protecting these kids in the midst of this. Yeah, for sure. You know, my first thought is just that, to pray that God would send his angels to protect these these people at the border as they're crossing. And also to uh, that, that maybe God would give uh, particularly the people who are who are dealing with children and helping to make sure that they're safe. Give them supernatural eyes to see like and give them, you know, w- wisdom to know this is a person that I should work with. And this is a person I should avoid, because I can't imagine how difficult when you're coming out of the fog of war and you don't really have your bearings of anything uh, to to add that uh, insult to injury and and try to try to navigate that as well it has to be so profoundly overwhelming um, so I think just praying those practical prayers that God would give them a a supernatural insight to know the right decisions to make and uh, you know that the Holy Spirit would prompt people uh, as they're as they're dealing with this because it's just a it's a heartbreaking situation and and certainly like you said Dan it's just a a gut punch to hear this kind of story uh, and know that people who are already so afflicted are dealing with this additional layer of hardship. So there's, yeah. there's definitely plenty to be uh, in prayer about. Yeah. And, and pray for the workers, right? The people who yeah. are working yeah. on the ground and these people who we were talking with on this call, you know, they are beleaguered, they're tired, they're overwhelmed. Yeah. And, you know, we often don't think about the aid workers dealing with, with all of this. Yeah. yeah. You just kind of assume like uh, that they have, unlimited sort of energy going on. It's one of those things you just don't think about, right? That people, no, they're working around the clock. They're getting tired. Like pray that they have energy that they can't even understand where they're getting it from uh, as they go through this. And for more workers, right? That more people would be moved to go in and help and and volunteer their time or sign up for an organization or whatever the case may be. So, but uh, but we will have both of the uh, the Mandisa interview and then also the one uh, Billy was talking about there. We'll We'll link to them here into the description of the podcast so you can check those out. And um, as always, we're appreciative that you're here and you can find more news from a Christian perspective over at cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. So we will be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. God bless.